What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the, yes, the bus driver experience. And you're here with your bus driver, and I'm ready to share another incredible, unique perspective of the human experience today because that is what it's all about. We all have our own takes, we all have our own path and our own way. We are going out and seeing this world and experiencing this world, and I am just so. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful and honored that I get to talk with unique individuals who are living a really, really, really unique take. And I get to talk with them. I get to experiencing that thing that they get to experience in their lives. And I'm just really happy to share all that with you. So if you are new to the show, go ahead. Don't forget to subscribe and welcome to the bus driver experience. Happy to have you guys. And guys, it's not just talking with these incredible individuals or groups of people. It's all about going out and now living their unique experience with them. And that's going to be over on the YouTube channel or my Instagram page, that Brandon Reese on Instagram and the bus driver experience on YouTube. We're jumping in bobsleds. We're running around the streets of New York with the canning community. We are sumo wrestling around with world champion sumo wrestlers. Whatever it is, what's going to be happening, we are jumping in and we are living that unique experience. We're bringing that unique experience to you. And our guest today is no one short, but really, really, really interesting. We got Peter Voden. Peter's been in the fitness industry for over 12 years now, and he is the co-co-co-co-owner of Pharos Echo Park. It's the gym that I work out at here in LA. It's actually the first gym that I went to, and I fell in love with the place right away. It's a huge, very, very large CrossFit space, and the community is amazing. Even though I take more of my free classes in there, it's a very, very, very cool an open place to work at. I mean, I'm barely working out of clothes. I got no shoes on. You guys know if you know me, I have no shoes on. I usually don't have a shirt on. And I'm just running around like this place is my own jungle gym. It's an incredible, incredible space. So if you are in uh, LA and Echo Park, go check out this space. And go check out the great class they got over there. But back to Pete. Pete's been featured in loads of multiple publications like Men's Fitness, Men's Health, The Telegraph. He himself is this jacked yoke dude. Um... It's great taking one of his classes. He really, really, really knows and is well-versed in the space. Has come over and critiqued me a bunch of times, saved my ass from injury, and uh, performing a, a wrong, wrong exercise in the gym. So, guys, get your notepads out. We go deep into the fitness space, whether we're talking about the business administration side and starting a small business, or do's, don'ts, myths, facts about health, wellness, diet. I learned a lot from this stuff. It's incredible 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 information so without further ado we got peter vorden of the bus driver experience no i'm not a writer okay now we'll start pete pete welcome on the show man thank you my man yeah to be here thank you for having me we finally worked this out yeah i got you in here this is a cool space yeah the uh i'm upset we know the video setup usually i got a three-way camera setup coming in Uh here my team is out though right now but, um, well, I didn't have a like a facial or any kind of like products done on my face, so it's probably good that the cameras oh, aren't here because like no, no, we got the oh. lights flashing on <laughs> you. The camera is what does the trick. Well, this is Hollywood. You gotta look. You gotta look good. You got to. I mean, I know that's a big thing that you do, especially. I mean, in the personal training and fitness. Yeah, space. yeah, sure. I mean, sure. not just with regular personal training, but you are a trainer of you know, a lot of uh, movie stars or not movie stars, but people in the movie space. Yeah, movie, movie TV space. Um, you know, over the years of. I've been lucky enough to work with a few and um, obviously being in Hollywood now 
um, we tend to get more and more. Uh, and I think being on the east side, uh, not just you know the people who are in front of the camera anymore, it's a lot of people who are behind the camera, a lot of producers, a lot of directors, a lot of writers. Um, a lot of people at the club are involved in the industry in some fashion, um, which is exciting. You know, it's, it's exciting to be around. Uh, good stories, good tales. Mm. We can share some good tales, which is always fun. Um, good experiences, bad experiences, uh, and yeah, it's it's a it's a fun crowd to be around for sure. Totally, you're the co 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 owner. Yeah, yeah. So there's um, you know there's four of us involved in the, in the owning of the company. Want to make sure I got all four yeah. people in there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's myself, my wife Emily, uh, my buddy Jeff Scarborough, and uh, Kate Haker, um, and. You know, we all have our roles within the company. We've all been involved from the outset in its conception and in its running. And you know, as the as the business grows and it evolves, you know, we're all finding more and more our, our roles within the company. You know, in the beginning, it was kind of like we're all doing everything, and then now it's more and more like, okay, you're in kind of this area, I'm in this area, mm-hmm. and you, that kind of happens naturally. You know, some things are obvious from the outset. I'm going to do more this kind of stuff. You're going to do more that kind of stuff. But as you kind of evolve and grow, it's like, okay you're really good at this stuff you go and do this i'm terrible at that and then you know you find your way kind of thing um you know and anybody that started a gym um or you know anything in the fitness uh, space um will know that you know when you start a, a business like that um it's it's very difficult in the beginning to to go from a place where you're not making any money um to you know investing your time for free essentially and then at some point hoping that that money's going to come through and there's going to be some kind of financial win at the end of it. Um, and you have to you know, be very patient with that uh, and obviously be very generous with your time and with each other because as a team, as a, as, a, as a unit who are trying to run a company, you all have to accept the fact that you are going to be working for free and you have to expect things from each other and not get on each other's nerves and work well together. And mm-hmm. um, That's startup life though, man. That is startup life. You know, uh-huh. it's not Obviously, it's not just gyms and, and fitness. It's anybody that's Anybody that's ambitious enough to start a business and really, really, you know, go for it and, and take that that gamble and that risk, mm-hmm. you know, takes on that, you know, that knowledge of, or maybe not that knowledge, but th- that reality that, you know, that's what's going to happen. You're going to work for free and you're going to put in a lot of hours and not get anything out and just accept it because, you know, you just have to believe that down the line it's going to, it's going to pay out or, you know, it's going to be fulfilling at the end of it. Yeah. Well, uh, it's like, a, I mean, a gym is almost like, you know, a burger shack though. I mean, yeah. you could run around, especially, you know, the movement of, you know, everybody trying to be in the health and wellness space. Like it could be a gym on every corner. I mean, it's, I think it's really tough yeah. to stand out in this space. I mean, sure. especially in the CrossFit space. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's the transition between it, I'm doing it because it's my dream and I love fitness. And so at that point it's, you know, it's a hobby. It's what you love, mm. and then of course it becomes a business, and it becomes a thing that's either gonna m- make you or destroy you. Because, you know, it's not you're not just doing it for fun anymore. You're doing it, you know, because it's a business. You're doing it to make money. You're doing it to provide a service. You've got to live up to expectations. You have demands on you and all that kind of stuff. So it's no longer you just rocking up and doing what you love. It's the reality of running a business, and I think, you know, particularly in the CrossFit world, that's where people kind of got in trouble, um, because. You know, they were maybe a member of a CrossFit gym. They they fell in love with the sport, and they were like, "I love this. I'm going to do this. This is my life. I could do this. I could do this." <laughs> so they open a box. They don't really know anything about business or how to make money. Um, they try and teach every class. They try and do the whole thing themselves, and very very quickly, people you know got themselves in trouble, and didn't really crunch the numbers. Like, you know, 
the reality of owning a, a, a space that's 3,000 square foot who can house maybe two, 300 people and charge maybe, you know, 200 bucks a membership, you know, how quickly is that going to cap? How quickly are you going to reach your ceiling of earning potential uh, before, you know, you can't make any more money out of that space? Uh, and what are you going to do beyond that point? Especially if you are like teaching all the classes and then maybe you bring a few coaches in that you have to then pay. How much money is going to be left at the end of the day to support the growth of your business or make it worthwhile for you before you just say like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm just suffocating under my own business. And I think that happened a lot, you know, and I think it's continuing to happen. Um, and we were very wary of that from the outset, especially because there, you know, there are obviously a few of us involved in the business. Um, and when you, when you think about, you know, how, how are we going to pay ourselves and how much money does this business have to generate to, to, to support four people or, you know, four people and their families, you know, I'm married, I've got a child on the way, you yeah. know, we, we're all real adults. Um, we're not kids anymore. Um, so you're, you're very wary of, you know, the financial side of it. Yes, this is our dream. Yes, this is what we love. But from the outset, we were very, very careful and very, very aware of the cost of running a business, both, you know, the financial cost and the mental cost, uh, the time cost, all that kind of stuff. Are you telling me you guys are already planning on expanding? Well, we already expanded. I mean, we started... Um, In terms of that boxing gym that you guys yeah. on the top floor there? Yeah. So we started, um, you know, 9,600 square foot. Then we became 15,000 square foot. And then with the next expansion, we're going to be... You know, twenty twenty two thousand square foot, which for Los Angeles is strange. Like you don't a lot of a lot of gyms here is more kind of a studio thing. You go in and it's a studio that offers like the one thing that they do. You know, to have like um, to have a gym that's based on the ide ideology of group fitness that's bigger than kind of five six thousand square foot is you know relatively rare. Um, and with the with the next expansion, yeah, we'll I think we'll definitely be like the biggest group fitness type gym really um well that i know of in, <laughs> certainly in east los angeles i mean you do have your chain gyms obviously and your bigger like what we what's been called globo gyms kind of deal mm -hmm. uh, but they're a very different business model to us you know we are we are in our you know in essence we're a group fitness gym that's what we do we, we provide excellent group fitness what makes uh, a gym a group fitness gym well it's a bigger emphasis on uh personal training in a group environment so on programming and on uh, and on coaching okay as I opposed to um a gym where you're just kind of turning up and doing your own thing or a gym that specializes in open gym but has some classes that they offer which are usually relatively low quality and not really coached but just kind of like gym by numbers i call it you know you're mm -hmm. just doing stuff yeah for the sake of doing stuff um whereas uh, you know a coached facility it's it's very carefully programmed it's very very carefully coached uh, and you're delivering, like I said, what we call personal training in a group environment, um, which is it's different. It is different. It's a different feeling. Um, you'll know from being in the club. It's 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 it creates a different dynamic. Um, we we've always been b big believers in the, in the group dynamic in the results you get from training with others with a like-minded purpose. Uh, the energy you get off other people. Um, it also obviously helps to have guided programming. You're turning up every day. You know exactly what's happening. You're guided through that process, um, and you're training next to someone who's also, you know, on board with that mm. and pushing themselves as hard as they can towards their own goals. And you're driven by their by their energy and vice versa. Um, so we're big believers in that dynamic, and um, 
we find that results tend to be accelerated when that that happens yes we can all train on our own and yes we can all follow a program on our own but oftentimes unless you are a very motivated very driven very hard working person unless we're all the rock basically mm -hmm. um it can be a slower process than if you are training in the energy of others a thousand percent true actually a buddy of mine that produces show he's uh, in the health and wellness space himself and yeah. just went to paleo fx uh and present was a presenter there this year and he talks about just having, you know, not just surrounding yourself with those people, but those people that you surround yourself with are keeping you to a certain level of accountability. And Absolutely. Even, and even yeah. like when you don't may not know that person in your class, they're showing up at 6 a.m. Yeah. They're showing up at 4 in the afternoon because it's, it's a stretch to go in there every day and commit to that. It is. I mean, we have this thing. I, I call it the 6 a.m. club now just because it's, you know, it's become a thing where I, I, mean, I either coach or I do every 6 a.m. That's just, you know, what I do. And... There's a bunch of people who will show up to that same class every day. Um, and, you know, we all are there, accountable to each other, pushing each other, driving each other. It's social. It's energizing. It's fun. Good 80s look, tunes. Good 80s tunes. Good country <laughs> tunes on a Friday. Um, and I, I enjoy seeing those people. I, I go to bed at night looking forward to seeing those people the next day i hope they feel that way about me maybe they do maybe they don't <laughs> but you know it's 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 nice i mean it's community that's what it is like you you genuinely it's not just turning up to do fitness it's turning up to spend time with people you enjoy spending time with and doing fitness yeah there's, there's gotta be something thing. primal about it i mean it's For sure or even sure. like you know it's the thing that i as an athlete miss that you know yeah. there's four guys i'm on a playing field with or these you know, think about the army. You know, those guys that have to have your back and sure. know they're going to cover you, this or that. So it, it's not on that scale, but you know, just having that, not even support, but just those people that you can connect Absolutely. with on a yeah. deeper level. Man, and I, th I think, honestly, that's why CrossFit was so successful in the beginning because it was people that pay, played team sports in high school, in college. Mm -hmm. And when all that went away, they were like, I miss that. Like, I want to be around people again. I want to do like sport. I want to be in the company of others when I work out. Um, so that's why I think it like it took fire so quickly because it you know it really gave people that that feeling again and it engineered um, the perfect amount of stress because I think it's the biggest issue in our you know uh, in our lives today we don't engineer certain levels of stress to you know make us uh, give us that levels of personal growth right. that we need in our life yeah and you know that comes with you know getting very sedentary in you know the lives and the civilization that we get to live in. To yeah. know, like, oh wow, there's they didn't have this product here, but like, you know, the way the rest of the world lives is so completely different. Yeah, and this is just so such an amazing thing to be grateful for an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And then even Absolutely. like the chance to go train with all these people. Yeah, we're just so lucky to have. All yeah, that. it's a, it's a real privilege. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, we have such a a good bunch at the gym. Just a, just a great a great quality of membership. Um, and like I said, you know, everybody has a story to tell. Everybody has, you know, their things, um, their personalities, their the energy that they bring to the table, and it's, you know, it's it's a really, it's it's just fun times. Uh, Thousand percent. It. Now you were talking about before. I mean, once CrossFit started, and it started off with that uh, that team building and yeah. that very healthy environment happened, and then you talked about the gyms and you know an influx of gyms showing up and people shutting their businesses down. Where is the state of CrossFit at um, as of today? Man, I don't know. I don't know that I can really speak for crossfit like that but all i all i can see is people you know somewhat diversifying their product or growing their product to something beyond just the one thing of something like crossfit 
Um, I think a lot of people found that if they just offer the one thing, uh, the the market is is too small for that, and you need to like, expand your programming beyond that to draw in more people. Completely, I'd go to places um, and they would only have one class or two classes in the evening and one in the morning, yeah. and I just want to go in there and do my own thing. And it's like, oh well, we're at level seven, yeah, doing these kind of exercises, and I'm like, eh. yeah, exactly. So so our whole thing from the outset. Um, was to offer multiplicity. It was to say, okay, everybody's on a different journey. We accept that. We're not gonna impress upon you what we think is right for you. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna offer all these different things, and you can kind of choose your path, and we will help you down that path. So we offer different classes that do different things, um, so that people can, you know, choose their own road to go down. And of course, we program that road, we coach that road, and we we do everything, you know as excellently as we can do in that in that uh, space um but we don't you know we don't push people into anything that they're not ready for or that we don't believe will be good for them or that they don't want to do um it's very much you know you tell us what you're looking for and what you want and we we tell you which which way we think you should go and then it's up to you to decide whether it's right for you um so going back to the the crossfit thing like if if someone comes in and they say well this is what i want and you only have the one thing, you basically have to either kind of lie to them and say, oh yeah, you need CrossFit. <laughs> or, you know, you send them out the door and you send them to the business down the road. You know, if you get someone coming in that says, you know, I want to gain 30 pounds for a movie role, I need to be big and muscular. And you tell them what you need is circuit training, high intensity circuit training every day. That's not true. That's not what they need. So then it becomes, you know, how do you, how do you, what do you offer those people? You know, either you, you do offer more within your own walls or like I said, you, you send them elsewhere or you're just dishonest and yeah. end up not bla- not being able to deliver on your on your promise. Um, which is always like for me, delivering on a promise is, is so important and, and being very clear from the outset what this program does. So for us, like, you know, if your goal is to get stronger and, and build muscle, then yes, you need to do more build. If your goal is to improve your cardiovascular health and do more uh, and become a, develop a greater level of, of GPP, general physical preparedness, then you need to do something like train. Uh, you need to incorporate some ride. If you wanna get better at boxing, then you're gonna do the fight program. Like it's saying, if you want this, this is what you need to do. It's not saying, if you want this, you just do this because everybody does this because mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't work. You know, you can't just do the one thing, expect the same result because it's not going to not gonna happen that way. I want to go so deep into those uh, different uh, different types of training styles, not just at the gym, but that. But I also wanted to go back to like the CrossFit games yeah. and what that means to, you know, CrossFit and what that's done to this scene in space. Because, you know, at the gym, we don't really have that many people. Uh, you don't have really many people, you know, training for, you know, these competitions. Yeah. And sure. these spaces. But I mean watching some of those CrossFit games on TV, I mean, just not even seeing people get, you know, the accurate form where it's more of a competition and less away from the technique. Yeah, I mean, I think the sport evolved from, when you when you watch the early stuff, you know, obviously there was like bad technique and, you know, some stuff that you look back at now and you think, oh my God, people were doing this and it's terrible to watch. But at the time it was, you know, we were all in a different place then. But when you watch it now, I mean, the, the problem is not incorrect form and the, the, the athletes at the top level are incredible. These are incredible people doing oh, yeah. incredible, incredible work. 
But I think the problem was that the the people at the top end got so far away from the the general community in terms of what they could do, what they could lift, the, the way they could the way they could train. I mean, it became a professional career. So these these guys are now you know spending all their time training CrossFit. They're giving up their jobs to do it professionally. And when you do that, you know, you get so far away from the average Joe who's going to a CrossFit gym that it, at a certain point became unrelatable, um, which I think, you know, Greg Glassman is now trying to take it back to the grassroots and make it more about the community again and less about the athletes, which is why the whole you know, CrossFit Games thing is changing. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, in the beginning, it, it was... It grew so quickly, and it was it became such a phenomenon phenomenon so quickly that I don't think it was really able to check itself. It was just like, let's go with this, let's go with this, let's go with this, and then it just got to the point where it was, you know, the 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 landscape changed so much, and these people were so good compared to these people that then then it became a problem. It was mm -hmm. a kind of a victim of its own success, I guess, in a way. Mm -hmm. no. But yeah, I mean, I I definitely don't think like. I don't think we can make the argument anymore at the top end that these, you know, these guys have bad form, or we we can't oh, be no, no, critical no, was, like yeah. that because they're 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 incredible. I mean, some of the top CrossFit athletes are also the top Olympic lifting athletes, right? Really, the they both the, oh, the yeah. crossover. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's you know, they are incredible athletes, and you know, I look at some of these people, and it's it's phenomenal what they can do. So it's it's really a question not. That they're doing anything wrong it's just the fact that it's so far away from what the average mm -hmm. crossfitter can do mm -hmm. yeah. now back into the uh where we left off with the kind of training yeah and so tell me something this someone comes into you because yeah. i'd see the most not controversial but just interesting topic and in question especially for an individual pete i want to lose weight sure what do i do because i think that's just so open-ended because it's it so it has to be tailored to the individual well and also this 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 so many ways to go about it because there is no one way like at a certain point everything works but nothing works forever mm -hmm. so a lot of it will depend on their training experience what they've done in the past their body type their their headspace where's their head at you know what is going to be what is going to be achievable and realistic for that person at that time we have this thing about always meet people where they are like you can't you can't put a top level athletes program onto a person who's never been in a gym before it's no. just not going to work um so you have to find a way to integrate it you know to introduce them into the space like how how do we start this person off what's going to be manageable what's going to be realistic yes it, it will get them results but also it's going to allow them to to grow and to improve it's not going to get them injured it's not going to destroy them psychologically um, it's not going to be an overload on their body that's going to be manageable for them and allow them to move forward. Because at this stage, we all want longevity. No one's, you know, no one's coming into the gym to screw themselves up in, you know, a couple of months. Everyone wants to be in this kind of for the long term. So someone comes in, they've never been in a gym before. We have different avenues. We we meet them. We do an assessment. You meet with a coach. They take you through a series of questions, an interview basically, where we understand where you're coming from, what you've done before, who you are, what your job is, what are the demands of those jobs, what are the time restrictions, what's your nutrition like, all those different elements. Once we've done that, we do a physical assessment. We measure their, their body fat, their lean muscle tissue. We look at their mobility. We take them into the gym. We'll see what they're kind of like, how they, how they move, what they're capable of doing. 
And then from there, we start to piece together, okay, we understand really where this person is right now. Mm-hmm. We understand where they want to go. And then we start creating the path, what we call the game plan. What's your game plan from this point on? Uh, and if it's, it's someone who's, who's new to this, we have, a, we have a, what we call a launch program. And what that does is launch their fitness career, right? So it, it introduces them to the fitness space and prepares them for the work ahead. Now we have people that will probably be in that launch program forever because it's the funny thing about programming and, and training is that the, the basics are always the basics. You can't rewrite exercise. Yes, things can become more intensive and things become harder because of the, the way that you do things, but the basics are always the basics. So the squat is always the squat. The deadlift is always the deadlift. The bench press is always the bench press. The strict press is always the strict press. So once you have those those movements and once you understand the foundations of those movements, it will you will carry them with you whatever you do. So some people, that launch program will be the right program for them for 10 years because they're just learning basic strength movements. They're learning basic movement patterns. They're doing some some cardiovascular work they're doing some interval type training um and for those for some of those people that is enough they don't need to be doing anything more than mm-hmm. that they don't need to be doing snatches they don't need to be doing <laughs> clean and jerks they don't need to be doing anything you know overly dramatic they just need to keep doing the basics because that will get them to where they want to go i think in the industry we're, we're overly keen to get people doing overly difficult things that they don't need to be doing now that isn't to say that some people need the challenge of skill acquisition because some people do and that's right for them they need to they need to learn new stuff and they need to you know evolve their fitness journey and that's right for them so they will be on a different you know a different journey so it's the whole thing of like you know deciding where the road starts and then deciding where the road goes so some people will evolve from the launch program to the build program the train program the compete program you know whatever the road is yeah. right for them and like i said that will depend on their physical goals their physical desires and also their their mental needs like some people need more of a challenge mentally some people don't they're turning up to the gym because they want to be stronger healthier and get some fitness mm-hmm. some people turn to the gym because they want to be competing next to jeff scarborough yeah <laughs> and that's just the way it is so it's saying to someone, we understand you, we're with you, this is what's right for you, we believe, let's start here and let's evolve. And that's, that's basically how it works. What's scary is like, you know, if you talk about you do this initial interview, you might know more about some of these people you're training than their doctors know for sure. about them. Yeah, for sure. Scary, scary thought. It's a scary thought. And it's also, you know, the problem is often doctors give them some bad advice because... You know, the medical industry, of course, as we all know, that often very keen to prescribe drugs or to to just help tell people to do not, do nothing. You just need to rest. You just need to do nothing. Of course, then they go away and do nothing, and five years down the line, they just get you know, rest turns into five years. My wife is a perfect example. Um, she had you know premature arthritis as a kid, and you know the doctors basically told her to not do anything, just stay at home, sit at home you know rest you can't move you can't she's like screw that <laughs> i'm not doing that i'm gonna get strong i'm gonna get healthy um 
she, you know, she started squatting, she started dead, deadlifting, she started strength training, she started to strengthen all the muscles around her joints, all the muscles around her bones, and now she's a fit, functional, functioning human being. Mm-hmm. And those problems have pretty much gone away. Whereas if she had lift, uh, listened to the medical profession, she probably would be 250 pounds right now. It's nuts. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I mean, because it is... It's like you said, those questions, the medical industry is just not there to spend time with yeah. the individual and learn about them yeah. in order to like teach it. Because I was going to ask you guys, you know, what do you ask people in this initial interview? Because when these people come in, you know, some, like a lot of times when people do go to the doctor too, it's not just the doctors. People are not telling doctors the truth, you know. Sure. Hey, what, what are you eating? Oh, I'm eating healthy. I'm eating, I'm eating yeah. terrific, you know, yeah, yeah, just for going off a of BMI, which is not a great way to scale people's, uh, you know, body metrics. It's like, oh, well. You know, according to this, you're overweight. <laughs> you're almost yeah, obese. True. Oh no, but I, if you're eating vegetables, you're eating three. Was it the pyramid that three to yeah, five yeah, times yeah. a day? You're like, yeah. well, it's 10 a.m. You said you've eaten vegetables already. Like, yeah. oh no, no, not yet. But I'm gonna do it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think we all have the problem with honesty. Like, even, you know, I've I've sat down with people before and they've they've told me what they eat and I'm I'm looking at them thinking that there's <laughs> no way that's true, no way because. Mass, mass needs calories you know it, it takes a certain amount of calories to be a certain size that's just you know it's the way it is so at a certain point I, I think often it, it, it's a combination of things it's not just that people aren't honest with themselves it's sometimes they just aren't aware of like the hidden calories in foods and, and drinks and things like that well we figure out that some of these restaurants or even like companies can get away with not even telling you what kind of added sugars or other elements are in there yeah for sure so suddenly 2000 calories very easily becomes 3500 calories which is a huge difference over the course of a week over the course of a month over the course of a year especially if it's like shitty different kind of seed oils that are in there and you're thinking it's olive oil and it's and even stuff like you know you go to a coffee chain and you buy a sugary coffee type drink and you don't even realize that that's a thousand calories you're doing that twice a day. Some of them, I mean, you get yourself in trouble real if quick. They're milkshake types. I mean, they've have like, some have like two to three thousand calories yeah. in one shake for sure. Yeah, and then people. So when you speak to people, they're not always aware of that. Yeah, you know, they're just like, oh no, all I had was this and that. And then when you really crunch the numbers, um, you know, it's a lot higher than they initially thought. Mm-hmm. And that, like I said, over the course of days, weeks, and months, those those numbers creep up real high, and that weight just creeps up. That's why I tell people the MyFitnessPal because now they have, you know, the app that you could be scanning something at a restaurant or any chain store. It's going to have, you know, the whole macro and micronutrients plugged yeah. in there now. So, I mean, you, I mean, it's, it's such a great app for people. Yeah, yeah, it is. They're looking to gain yeah. weight or, you know, they're trying to drop weight. They can see what they're getting. Yeah. The macro- and it makes you accountable. Like we have this, this limitless challenge coming up um, in the summer. We do it every summer. And um, the great thing about it is, it's teaching people, right? It's saying to people, we, we have a nutritional seminar, we have nutritional consults, we do, um, we crunch all their numbers through them, we tell them about my fitness pal, we tell them how to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're That's accountable fantastic. to each other, you're accountable to your coaches, you have a physical coach, you have a nutritional coach, you ask questions, um, and it's a chance to just be completely honest and just to really like say, for once and for all, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to eat right I'm going to drink right I'm going to sleep right I'm going to work out right and you will see the difference like if you would adjust and this would be terribly boring but this is kind of like how bodybuilders do it if you really (laughs) want to see what happens if you just ate chicken salmon rice and broccoli three meals a day for three weeks 
you will see the weight come off. <laughs> like, yeah. It's going to happen. Um, but a lot of the time, like we try and make things very complicated by saying, oh, we should do this diet and that diet and this diet because it's all about this and it's all about that. Like if you're just brutally honest and eat very basic foods that don't have anything hidden in them, you will lose weight. It's just going to happen. Yeah, I usually tell um, people, just look at how least processed the food yeah. is. If you're getting it like that someone picked it, slaughtered it, whatever, it's just the least amount of processing that it took it to get to you, you're, you're probably good. There's yeah. less additives. I mean, even like the, the, the paleo thing, which of course has had, had its ups and downs and the benefits and pros and cons and all that kind of stuff, but just getting people to eat real food again yeah. for most people will work. Especially if you get them to eat, you know, if you get them to eat, I remember Charles Pollock and we said, just get people to eat protein first. You can have carbs after, but make sure you eat the amount of protein that you need in that meal and then see how many carbs you can eat afterwards. Because protein is filling. Like if you if you eat your protein first and then wait for your carbohydrate and then mm. eat the carbs at the end, most of the time you'll eat a lot less carbohydrate. So I practice if, keto, so I feel that with fats, like, oh yeah. man, I'm stuck. Very, very satiating. Yeah, oh. fats are very satiating, yeah. Um, whereas, you know, carbs can be very Moorish, especially if they're high glycemic carbs. You just yeah. want to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Um, which, you know, for people that are trying to gain weight, which I have a lot of, like sometimes that can be a good thing. But um, for the most part, you know, the majority of people that we meet are trying to lose fat. Um, and most of those people, you know, if they just start eating real foods, cut out any sugary drinks, cut out any processed foods, uh, you know, drastically reduce their carbohydrate intake, they're going to lose fat. All right. We yeah. covered the fat loss. Now, the other big thing is people are like, I want to gain muscle. I want to get yeah, stronger. Sure. And I think that's always going to be a, t a double-edged sword. There's going to be diet and yeah. the weight and I training. Think it's funny because, you know, our gym, I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know what it is, but we have a ton of people who are there because they come in and they say, I want to get strong and I want to put on muscle. And I get men and I get women, which is great. I yeah. love it because <laughs> um, it's completely different from like someone coming in and saying like, I just want to lose weight and do this and do that. So it's a much more interesting, you know, I enjoy doing both, but it's a much more interesting project when you have someone that's like, you know, I want to gain and I want to get strong. Um, I want to gain muscle. Um, and it makes it, you know, the diet a lot more interesting. So then, again, it's it's a numbers game. It's a my my fitness pal thing. It's like, okay, if you want to get bigger, you're gonna have to consume this amount of protein. Typically, one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. Um, you're gonna need X amount of carbohydrates. You're gonna need X amount of fats because you know you you need your fats for good hormones. So we're talking one to one right there on protein again. Want to make sure I heard that. Yeah, yeah, one one gram of protein per pound of body weight, usually. Okay, so one sixty five guy like me, I'm gonna have to up it. One hundred sixty five, yeah. One hundred sixty five, because I mean, grams. I usually do like, you know, I'm scaling it like just like a hundred grams of something right. that will push me up. Yeah. In in the mass index, but we're talking about even more, or I mean, if I'm only doing about what is that about sixty percent of my ma of my body weight, getting that amount of protein a day. Yeah. Change, not that much change, or just much slower. Well, you know. Because I'm eating ketogenic, though. Yeah, num numbers are always difficult because you kind of have to see, you have to start in one place, see how it goes, see how much muscle you put on. Okay. And if the numbers aren't high enough, you take have to take it up. And it's really like, um, you, not not complete, you're not flying blind, but it's kind of like you start from this point, you add, 
you look at what happens and then you either add or subtract. Okay. So it kind of like you have to measure it as it Build goes. or scale. Yeah, you have to, yeah. Um, so usually I start with that, one gram per pound of body weight and then depending on what happens, you know, you can take it up or you can take it down. Um, I usually, I'm usually pretty consistent with the, with the protein but the variables are always carbs and fats because some people respond very well to carbohydrates, some people respond very well to fats, some people do better on carbohydrates, some people do better on fats. So then you kind of have to play with those numbers because ultimately calories are king. Yeah. You know, if I want to if I want to gain weight, I'm going to need that calorie surplus, so I need to create that calorie surplus. How do I do that? Well, you know, if I'm eating 1 gram of protein per pound of body weight, the rest of the calories are going to have to come from carbs and fats. How do I distribute that well a lot of that will depend on a the kind of workouts that this person's doing how many workouts are they doing a day how dense is the programming uh, a lot of it will depend on their personality type what works well for them what doesn't work well for them are they vegan which we have a lot of um uh, and yeah you're, you're basically tweaking as you go depending on the results that you get i know you've talked about how important carbs are with the proteins i think that once you have certain that when that protein hits um, hits the liver and then it gets into the bloodstream, it needs a certain amount of carbohydrates in order for it to be converted into yeah, muscle. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's an important part of it as well. Like we we don't have anybody. We don't really prescribe the keto um, ketogenic diet. So I wouldn't much. tell anybody. You got to go to a doctor first before you yeah. want to test and work on yeah. that because you're changing your body's entire energy energy source yeah. over from glucose into ketones and that's a completely different thing, huge yeah. shock to your system it's yeah. not for everybody and you know men and women it's going to mess with your endocrine system which is your hormonal system in the body so please like i always say go check with your doctor first yeah for sure uh, no medical professionals here yeah yeah exactly exactly so we find that most people you know it's, it's more of a like i said it's more of a, a blend of the the carbs proteins uh, and fats and how we distribute those um most people you know need, need a good dose of all three um yeah to get the kind of results that we're looking for um and it just yeah like, like i said it just becomes about how we tweak those carbs and how we how we tweak those fats like most guys i like to have like 90 grams of fat at least a day most girls i like to be on at least 70 grams of fat you know for, for healthy hormones um keeps the you know the testosterone levels higher yeah. um and if I, I find that if i go below that like you know they start to the results just aren't as as good and uh, you know as you get closer to the you know the event or so if we have the challenge closer to the final weigh-in um then those numbers may come down a little bit just to manipulate things for that that final push mm -hmm. um but there's like the the basic like consistent diet that you have and then you have the kind of like the the tweaking diet at the mm -hmm. end the kind of thing which is the numbers tend to be a little bit lower what kind you of know, carbs are we talking that you're prescribing because i think well, carbs got a, such a bad name yeah. these days i mean uh, yeah i mean they do but it, it depends on what you're trying to do so it might be two grams per pound of body weight for guys that are trying to you know gain weight so 200 pound guy might be on 400 grams carbs mm -hmm. what kind of carbs are we talking here because oh. i mean people like to say I mean, oh well pasta's oh, yeah. bad sweet potatoes yeah, I mean, that good yeah, bad i mean for me it's like sweet potatoes uh, the staples are always for me sweet potatoes rice um, if it's quality bread, quality bread's okay. Yeah. Um, quinoa. Love a sweet potato, man. It's, it's love it. Love a sweet potato. You gotta love it. Don't go wrong. But I, I'm not too like, you can't have this and you can't have that. Um, it's yeah, not like if it fits my macros too much, but to a point, if it fits my macros, you're okay. Mm -hmm. Like 
as long as it's coming from a natural so, uh, natural source. Well, I think um, a lot of people just are, are trying to avoid carbs. That's what pushes yeah. them to like a low carb keto diet, but they don't realize, especially if they do get into a CrossFit style training method, and they're really pushing their body and really really burning. It's they're going to need that source. carbs. It's their primary fuel source to recover. The, yeah, I know that as a just in keto. Like if I go out and run, you know, five or seven miles on the soccer pitch. I'm going to need a good amount of carbs, maybe yeah. even a Gatorade after because my sure. body is depleted. Yeah, and I think you know, for, for most people that are playing those high-intensity sports, you know, glycogen is the preferred food source. That's what your body is going to you know, work best on. So again, depending on what their workouts are, they're going to need that in their system. Otherwise, it's just not going to be able to perform. And then at a certain point, you perform less, you do less work, you get more tired, therefore you just don't get the same results. Mm-hmm. So it's like keeping the keeping the carbs up for the sake of performance as well as body composition because they're obviously co-related. Um, and then, you know, keeping your eye on the fats relative to the carbohydrates because if the carbohydrates go up, then the fats come down. It's that kind of sliding scale. Mm-hmm. You're, just, you're just like a tuning, like a tuning machine. Like mm. Turning them up, turning them up. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and obviously we, we get a lot of guys and a lot of girls who, who do like performance. They do they do want to be great. You know they do want to be able to perform, so they do need the glycogen. So, um, you know we don't have anybody like long term that's on really like a super low carbohydrate thing. We speak to it. for the most part. We are again we're we're looking at longevity. We want people to we want people to live you know long healthy lives, and and so for the most part they have a you know healthy dose of carbohydrates, a healthy dose of fats, and a healthy dose a healthy dose of protein. <laughs> um, we do have a couple of like competing figure people who will. You know, when they get closer to competition, we'll go you know, very low carb um, because that's what the, you know, a competition like that demands a very lean appearance uh, and that will achieve, be achieved through that, is that there, low is there, glycogen. Is that way more dangerous than beneficial when people are in competition I, I mean, like yes, for physique? Yeah. And I think any 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 professional bodybuilder will, will tell you that. Like when you get to that very, very low percentage of body fat, it's not good for you. It's you're doing it because you're an athlete and it's it's what's needed for your sport, but by no means is it healthy <laughs> at all. I mean, I think you could even argue like any sport where that that you are required to be very lean by by the time the competition happens, you're not doing that for health. You're doing that because that's what the sport requires, which is different from what we're doing in the gym. We're we're in the gym to get people healthy. People who are professional athletes are doing that because. They want to be professional athletes, and they're doing what is required to be good at that sport. Mm. It's not because they're trying to be healthier, you know. And that's the difference between sport and between gym. Yeah, I mean, it's a testament to human beings that we can, you know, have the we scientific knowledge and capability and map that out to say, hey, this is a competition we do. Let's shred ourselves down to yeah. no body fat. I mean, for, for for a normal woman, like to be sub like twelve percent body fat. You know, you're going to have problems with your cycle. You know, hormonally, it's it's not good for you. Mm-hmm. But some women who are professional athletes, it's worth it for them to take those risks because it's a calculated risk. They understand that it's not good for them, but they're doing it for the purpose of the sport. Now, people in the gym on a daily basis, <laughs> like who are trying to be healthy, you know, why go to those extremes? It's it's not good for you. Like, what are you doing it for? Um, there's no there's no payday coming for you. The, <laughs> so, the pre-competition cutting those guys do, or, or guys and girls. Yeah. It's scary. It's tough. Well, it's I mean, tough. they do that for fighting, too. I mean, yeah. to, to make that weight. weight. Yeah. When they go sit yeah. in saunas or steam yeah. rooms and drinking just only water or no water yeah. just to shred all the way down. Yeah. I think it's crazy with, like, boxing and uh, mixed martial arts. Like, 
some of these guys will gain like 15, 20 pounds in the next day after they've just sweated or just cut down to that. Yeah, I mean, so my, my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law are both professional bodybuilders. Um, and, you know, they go to you know, very extreme lengths to be the best because they want to they wanna be the best at what they do. And that, that requires a lot of discipline. Um, both you know in terms of the way they train in terms of the way that i mean the real thing is the way they have to eat you know it's a very very controlled very very boring you know way of eating when you get ready for a bodybuilding competition you're doing what you have to do to excel in the sport and that's that's the way it is if you want to be great at what you do that's what you do now neither will tell you it's particularly good for you and especially like you know, post-competition, you have to be very careful about how you will, you know, come out the other end, you know, kind of reverse dieting your way out of it because if you go all in straight after the, the competition because you've kind of destroyed your metabolism a little bit, you know, you have what's called metabolic damage. Like if you if you go in too deep straight after, you're just going to balloon and then you can end up, you know, fatter. <laughs> really? After competition than the when I didn't you know first that. started. Oh, yeah. It gets, wow. It's a thing, yeah. There's a guy called Lane Norton who talks a lot about this, um, you know, problems with, uh, all right. <laughs> moms. Moms. Yeah. Moms. Pro- problems with, um, you know, overeating post-competition um, when you're, you know, your body's basically still in competition state and now you've kind of like gone the other way and completely indulged and, you know, people just balloon up. Um, so, yeah, people get themselves in trouble and it can be hard to recover from. So you have to be very careful. You know oh, how man. you how you get out of that situation. What kind of diet are they doing to get back to readjust their metabolic state? Because a lot of people also say that you can't change your metabolism, and your metabolism is what it already is. And well, you're manipulating your metabolism. So, you know, when you when you're approaching competition, you you are going very low carbohydrate, and you are going lower in fat, and you're basically you're basically malnourishing yourself to become very very lean, and dehydrating yourself to become very very lean. So you need to reintroduced and by the way I'm no expert at this because I'm not a bodybuilding um, expert but um, you need to like, reintroduce foods gradually after and, and creep the calories back up gradually because you can't go from and, I, and actually this is this is true of anybody that comes into the gym you can't go from a position of consuming 1,000 calories a day to suddenly consuming 4,000 calories a day without storing a lot of fat similarly you can't go from eating 4,000 calories a day to suddenly eating 1,000 calories a day without getting yourself in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Like, it has to be scaled. You have to decrease and increase food and calories gradually to sustain healthy weight loss and healthy weight gain. You know, this is why a lot of people that have done those TV shows where you gain, where you lose a lot of weight in a very short amount of time because you go from one extreme to the other very quickly it's unsustainable long term but you get more drama when these people are just struggling with (laughs) blood sugar withdrawals yeah exactly they're lacking on minerals and resources that their body is so used to exactly and then you know as soon as the the tv show ends they end up putting on more weight than than they did when they first started because they're you know they weren't they weren't eating for longevity they were eating to win a show and that's a different thing it really is torture for the individual yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. and i laugh at that anyways uh (laughs) So I wanted to get into a few like personal training, like dilemmas, debates that a lot of people have. I remember you you shouted out the name before. That I remember Charles. Uh, he's Poliquin. the f- yeah French Canadian uh, yeah. trainer. Love that guy. Love listening to him on uh, different podcasts I've heard him on. Yeah, 
And I know he has a quote. It's not a squat unless your ass hits the ground. Yeah. Great quote. But a lot of people, I think one of the, the controversy is squatting below parallel. Right. Where do you stand on that? Um, I mean, I'm kind of like Polyquin. I came from that background, so I'm like, you know, I think you get better hamstring and glute engagement when you do go below parallel. Um, you're going to get, I think you're going to get a bigger release of, of, uh, of growth hormone when you get that full deep squat. Um I think it puts less tension on the knee when you go below parallel and again, engage those hamstrings and those glutes. Um, I think there is a problem with people disengaging at the bottom of the squat when they do go to full depth with some people, especially if they have, um, especially if they are very, very mobile. Um, you know what I mean by that? When you get right down in the bottom of the squat and you, you almost lose tension because you can just relax in that bottom position in kind of a slump, mm. lose tension in your muscle and then you can put your yourself in danger and you're back in trouble you have to stay tight whilst getting deep that's what i'll say okay. like you can't just let yourself fold into that bottom position you have to keep the muscles tight i always say create as much tension create as much torque throughout your body as you possibly can throughout the entire duration of the squat you should feel tension the whole time at no point should you feel loose from the moment you get under that bar you should cr be creating as much tension and torque on that bar as you possibly can and feel that tension throughout your whole body throughout the whole depth of the squat all the way down, all the way up. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people say, hey, my knees start to hurt when I go down or, you know, I start to feel this. And you made that great point, and I've said this before too, it's engineering certain levels of stress and tension. And I think that helps prevent injury down the road, putting your body in those, yeah. not awkward positions, but the, that full functional range of motion that they yeah. can achieve especially like you said in the knees getting the buckle and move well i think also it's, it's a mobility issue and this is why we we push mobility so much in the gym we have a whole like repair program dedicated to mobility because often the problem is not strength often the problem is mobility um now i think the the below parallel thing starts often because people are just putting too much weight on the bar to begin with which only allows them to go to parallel because they're like they just they're just not strong enough to go deeper it's like take some weight off the bar like i remember dan john was always like why why are you doing a back squat when you can't even do a goblet squat you know what i mean by that yeah, like, yeah, yeah. if you can do a goblet squat with a kettlebell and you can go to full depth okay if you can practice that and you can show me you're complicit in that movement and you can do that move, movement well then maybe we'll progress you towards a back squat if you can't do a goblet squat then why are you doing a back squat why are you putting yourself under load when you don't have the mobility, the mobility to do the basic movement. Mm. Um, so, when we do our assessment, when we, you know, when we first meet people, one of the fundamental movements we look at is the squat. Can they squat to full depth? If not, why? You know, if they're experiencing pain, why? Is their VMO tight? Have they got some, some VMO? The the vastus medialis oblique, the quad okay. on the inside. Um, is that pulling on the knee? Um, do they have some pre-existing condition that we need to know about? I think it's usually hips. ACL tear. Do they have tight hips? The hip flexors. I, you can tell people flexors? walking sometimes down the street and you can see yeah, not even sure. getting that full range on their steps and just like, yeah. especially, I mean, I'm not, I've gotten in trouble for this before. People are like, oh, you're making fun of people. I'm like, no, no I just, I've it. been in pain before. See My hips, no. I couldn't get out of a car. It's two, it's two things. It's, it's some, sometimes people that, you know, have never done fitness and sometimes it's people that have done a lot of fitness. Like for me, I have tight hips because I've done too much stuff like i squat a lot i deadlift a lot i don't stretch enough as much as i should and i have tight hips my my wife makes fun of me all the time for it and she's right like <laughs> if i if i sit down in a truck or in a, in the cinema for a long amount a long amount of time and i get up 
my hips are super tight. My knees, my knees are super sore because mm. I have that tightness. Other people, they've never done anything. They don't have the mobility because they've never tested their mobility. They yeah. never get themselves into that position. Their body's basically frozen in a, in a couch position because that's what they do. Um, so it can go both ways. But yeah, I think a lot of the time it's people are not squatting to full depth because either they don't have the mobility to do it in the first place or because they're just simply putting too much weight on the bar for the sake of ego or whatever it is and they're just incapable of, of doing it because there's too much on the bar. Mm-hmm. But should they be squatting full depth? Yes. Do do you need to go ass to grass? Maybe not, but should you be below parallel so that you're engaging your glutes and your hamstrings in that movement? Then yes. Yeah, like what I you would said, yes. goblet first and then take that goblet into the back squat. Yeah. So start eating your food at home in a goblet and then you'll know exactly. if you're good exactly. enough to get that back squat in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, you know, don't jump in at the deep end. And that's true of everything. A lot of people want to just jump in at the deep end before they're guilty of that the myself. Basic, got the basics right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of us are, but it's, you know, I think, I mean, I, it's when I say it now, it's, it's completely obvious to me. But when I look back at my training career, like when I was training as a teenager, was I doing everything right? Absolutely not. Because, mm. you know, and back then, there's a wealth of knowledge out there now. Like on the internet, on, you know, social media, everywhere. You can find out anything that you want to know. You know, back then, it wasn't like that. We didn't have the internet. You didn't have, you know, access to all this information. Like unless you were reading in a book or unless you had a very good coach, which I did not, you didn't have access to that kind of material. So, you know, you're reading how to do a squat in a book. Okay, but, you know, it, it's, it, it was a lot harder to visualize things correctly back then than it, than it is now. I mean, I didn't do a squat until I was probably 21, 22 yeah. years old. I, I didn't do, I certainly didn't do a correct squat until I've I was... I've been playing sports my whole life since I was yeah. four years old, but it was a great point you said. I know a lot of young guys who I've trained or look up to me in the basketball space, you know, they'll say, hey, I want to get bigger, I want to get stronger and start this stuff out. And, you know, you throw them with some mobility stuff, the limited mobility stuff that I know or can coach them on. But, you know, you see some of the stuff they want to go do and try and do, they want to lift as much weight as yeah. their 16-year-old well, boys. Yeah. You know, the That's testosterone funny. and headspace is just crazy in that yeah. time. But I know, uh, you know, a lot of people who work with professional NFL athletes, professional soccer players, you get them to try and do a proper squat. doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. They can't do it. <laughs> just because they've never, they've never worked that kind of mobility. They've never done correct work like that. Um, and a lot of it, of course, is, again, it's, it's ego and it's, it's being in the weight room and just trying to push as much weight as possible without, you know, getting the full range of motion. Um, a lot, of, a lot of the movements that you do in that sport do not require that kind of depth. Like when you play soccer, you don't need to do a full s- squat, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you never do it. Um, then when you get them in the, you know, when you test them and they can't do it, it's like you're one of the best athletes in the world, and yet you cannot do a deep squat. Shocking, but <laughs> it's true, and it happens a lot. Yeah, I actually just had the head of the U.S. Sumo Federation uh, here on the show. And we we're talking about, you know, how these guys can be, you know, some of them two to 600 pounds, but also their flexibility and mobility is insane. These guys can be in, you yeah. know, that goblet squat when they're starting off this match. Oh, yeah. And the exercise they do, he did it in studio right here. We had all the right, lights right, set right. up, lifted his leg while in that kind of pistol squat position up at this angle up above his head. I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. 
I mean, this sure. is the guy who runs, he's like a, you know, 160 pound guy. I'm about to go do a sumo class this weekend with them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, even like at that weight, the leanness that these guys can maintain at 300, yeah. 400 pounds incredible. at 11% body fat only. And you know, have that range of motion. It's pretty you nuts. Know, you know what I watched recently? It was, um, the, the Dave Batista and Triple H fight, the wrestling fight. Oh God. Oh yeah. I know Triple H. Paul, what's and his name? And it's like, um, his, his real name is Paul something because uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. great businessman. He's been on a few podcasts uh, as his own persona, not Triple right. H. But like to to be that big, and like and to throw yourself around like that and have the mobility and the athleticism, it's fucking impressive. Um, and you know a lot of those guys obviously end up with a lot of injuries and stuff. But it's it's amazing to me when you see because you know and I think those guys at that point in their careers are, they're a similar age to me and knowing how I feel and. To think about throwing myself around like that now is like, oh my God, and those guys are a lot bigger than me. It's, the athleticism and the mobility it needs to be, you know, that kind of athlete is, it's impressive. I mean, a lot of people can't see when the camera's running, but I mean, how much uh, how much are you right now? You're pretty I'm big, only, pretty uh, big I'm, guy. I'm at 200 pounds. 200? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, add another 80 pounds and you've got like what those guys are. And then- Really, Triple H is about like yeah, 280? 260, 280, something like that. Wow. And then to... to well, the Rock is nuts, for example. I mean... Yeah. But I mean, there's a level of steroids like a guy like that is using to maintain sure. that level. Yeah, of course. Consistently. Yeah. 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 I mean, but b- even, steroids yeah. get a bad rep, but I mean, cycling them properly. Yeah. And uh, Jesus, we're, we're in Hollywood and um, and you're going to see it even more, ma- more and more now, this TRT thing, this testosterone, testosterone replacement therapy for men. Like a, a, a certain point, a small dose of testosterone and growth hormone is going to be like standard within I, within the next 20 years. Can't I wait to go to Walgreens. Like <laughs> once you get over the age of 50, like having low testosterone and low growth hormone is not a healthy place to be when it comes to disease and when it comes to like your muscle tissue deteriorating or that kind of thing. So, you know... Yes, for years we've had this thing, oh, steroids are bad for you, blah, 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 blah. It's all about dosage. It's all about like, yes, too much of anything is, is bad for you. And the problem is in, in, in bodybuilding and in, in, in wrestling and these sports that require it, that the dose just got so high, they're taking so much stuff that it, you know, it leads to problems. A low dosage of you know, testosterone and growth hormone in, in a male uh, and, in, and in females like Female, you know, hormonal replacement therapy has been around for years and been mm-hmm. completely accepted. Um, for, for men to to start uh, uh, a low dosage of that at a certain age, I think it's going to become a very standard thing within certainly within our lifetime. That's one of the I things mean, I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah, like, I, the, I think low I mean, T is everywhere. Everywhere, you know, you you have these these clinics in LA now that you know, they specialize in this. You know, guys are going. You know, you have your testosterone tested. You know, I've never done it, and I'm I'm 41 now, and I really should have it done because, you know, I probably am getting lower. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's probably true. <laughs> um, and you know, I I want I want to have energy. I want to be you know I want to be successful. I want to do everything that I want to do with my with my life and my career and all that kind of stuff. And I want to stay strong and I want to maintain a good physique. And at a certain point, um, you know, something like that might be necessary um so it's it's more it's it's just being educated about it people are just ignorant um because they don't educate themselves about Mm -hmm. these things they're like steroids are good or steroids are bad 
because somebody told me they were or I read somewhere or I looked at this thing online that told me or somebody died because they did steroids and you know it's all it's all this stuff um so I mean much like you know the evolution of marijuana or you know CBD or whatever you want to call it CBD like, is the greatest sales pitch ever hey we're going to take all the the high and the psychoactive out of it and it's good for you yeah and we're going to charge even more than weed that's genius yes whoever's in the cbd business is crushing right now crushing crushing <laughs> but now it's a very you know it's a very accepted thing whereas like 10 years ago absolutely not it was hiding under the table hiding, hiding under, under, the under the closet yeah. almost yeah. about like you were uh smoking marijuana or even taking the cbd stuff exactly whereas you know like i said in 10 years time i think trt t uh, testosterone growth hormone all that sort of stuff is going to become very very normal mm -hmm. very yeah. normal now i think people are confused on the testosterone growth hormone because they don't know where exactly it comes from i mean i think back in the day they used to take cow growth hormone right and yeah. give it to children and that like it warped a lot of people's like yeah endocrine systems well i think now you know this this is the thing now it's not under the table anymore like you don't have to like get it from some weird place where you don't really <laughs> know where it's coming from you can go to a very good clinic in you know here you go to beverly hills or wherever you know you can find good places that have got quality growth hormone quality testosterone testosterone um and it's going to be you know it's going to be it's going to be legitimate it's not going to be it's going to be bad for you <laughs> i want to um, break down the, um, the testosterone though because a lot of people and i think you mentioned this i mean you're jacked in shape guy you're training 6 a.m every day and i know certain kinds of exercises help release sure. and produce the testosterone and growth yeah. hormone as well as you know eating a certain diet i mean the yeah. reason why i do that keto diet is i know that cholesterol is one of the building blocks sure. of testosterone in the body yeah sure uh and also you know so what i always used to say to people um what i still say to people um especially if you're in your like your 20s and your 30s Yes, you're trying to release as much testosterone and as much growth hormone as possible. Now, if I'm if I'm taking artificial testosterone growth hormone, I don't necessarily need to do the same exercises as someone that isn't. So what what I believe happened was guys that are supplementing with testosterone and growth hormone uh, in the bodybuilder community or you know just in general, they can get the results from doing you know leg extensions leg curls partial training um lots of machine stuff all that stuff because they don't need to rely upon heavy squats heavy deadlifts heavy pressing all that heavy stuff to release that testosterone testosterone and growth hormone if you're a natural athlete you're looking how to stimulate those hormones and that, that that testosterone naturally then you have to do that work you have to squat heavy you have to lift heavy because that's when you get your big release you have to be really attentive to sleep because that's when you're going to release the most growth hormone um so you have to be very you know you have to be inclusive of that kind of work you have to have that in your program whereas i think sometimes the danger is you can be a, a natural athlete look at a non-natural athlete copy their program not get the same results and wonder why because mm -hmm. it's a people don't think hormonally like no. they just think in terms of like sets reps calories or that kind of stuff but hormones play a huge role in this whole thing you know in this whole health thing you know we talked a little bit about stress whether it's whether you're trying to gain mass or lose fat stress can be the defining factor you know i've had people 
be on a near perfect diet training consistently who just cannot shift the last five pounds of fat and it is all cortisol it is all stress they'll go away on holiday for two weeks with no stress and the weight will just fall off wow uh, it's it's a it's stress like and Assuming. you know in, in modern society we have so many fucking stresses from the moment we get up from the moment we go and to not bed. the stresses we need to put on our lives at all it's, it's completely involuntary yeah exactly um you know from the moment we start checking our phones in the morning it's like emails texts somebody said something on social media somebody did something to somebody like it's just non-stop stresses um you know you you know your family stress your work stress your you know your workout stress all these things are stress and at a certain point it's just too much for, for the body to take so yeah hormones play a huge role in both muscle building and in fat loss and we need to be very very aware of it so you can't be person a and look at person b's program and copy it if you're on different playing fields it's a it's a different thing um th th i think this is part of the reason why people do get very frustrated and very upset and very depressed is because they're doing the same thing as this person and this can happen naturally by the way like this person naturally can have a lot higher testosterone than this person. That, that happens in nature. And you, we compare ourselves to other people and say, well, I'm doing what he's doing. Why do I not get the same results? And usually it's a hormonal thing. Like mm -hmm. we're all built differently. We're all designed differently. Um, and uh, the, the argument, you know, athletes and, and bodybuilders that, that, that take stuff is always, look, I'm just bringing myself naturally up to this person's level because they naturally have higher testosterone so i need to like be on the same playing field that's the olympic argument right yeah you're like i i don't have excess amounts of testosterone testosterone in my body i just have the same amount as this person now yeah i took this amount to get myself up to the, this person's level but the playing field is now even performance so enhancements such a <laughs> such a sneaky and uh interesting topic i mean a lot yeah, of people don't know like for example like with viagra viagra is there to enhance blood flow not just right. your penis, but throughout your body. Yeah. But it's an illegal substance because sure. it would just enhance the amount of blood going back to your heart, Pumping getting cleaned out, setting yeah. right back in. Um, it's a minefield. I know you said uh, we're talking about these heavy press exercises, and that's going to help you release testosterone. How? Any any heavy? How any, and why? Why does that happen? You just stimulate the release of growth hormone when you when you lift heavy. That's just just a hormonal response to heavy lifting. Okay. Um, mm. No, because I really, I really didn't even know. I was having a question yeah. for everybody else. I was really, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think who, who I first kind of learned that from. I think it was Poliquin, or may have been Poliquin. But, um, but yeah, I've always, I've always pushed it because I've always been a firm believer in that. Um, and you know, those those big movements have always like been been the bread and butter of my of my training, and it's it's the bread and butter of the build program, my program at Faros. You know. We do a ton of accessory stuff, like a lot of accessory stuff, but everything is based on the fundamental movements because that's where you get the biggest bang for your buck if you are a natural athlete. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, Like I said, maybe if you're not a natural athlete, you don't need to be doing that stuff as much. Uh, I, th I think the best guys do. You know, The guys that I know, you know that are excellent at their sport, they, they include it as well, but um, it's maybe not necessarily as necessary for these people as it is for everybody else. I think that's a big thing missing just because I, I wish I was doing deadlifts and squats and just, you know, a proper 
just level of traditional weight training movements yeah in my repetition i didn't do this till after when i i mean these movements really helped because i was a guy with a terrible back yeah terrible neck i mean i could be in days for three or four days with back spasms yeah yeah, yeah. and then i started doing all these different movement applications you know adding this certain uh a lot of a lot of different deadlift variations and the jefferson curl which i still yeah. practice every day yeah. because i mean it completely took away the inflammation on my back yeah. and now it's like that thing is such a thing in the past, but a lot of these guys, like you said, and especially athletes, they need to maintain these certain movements continuously in order to release that testosterone. You yeah. mentioned that before, and it was yeah. like, oh, wow, I'm probably going to have to continuously do these things. Even if I were to go on you know, testosterone replacement or growth yeah. hormone replacement, I'm going to have to continuously do this to release that. Yeah. Especially, it's impressive to me in the American system, you know, guys that did grow up in, in good colleges and and in, in good high schools and did squat and did deadlift and did you know some of the numbers that these guys are churning out at like 15 years old um, and this is the yet another amazing thing about crossfit some of the numbers coming up now from like kids <laughs> blows my fucking mind really oh you know to be to be 15 years old and have a 400 pound squat like <laughs> it's <laughs> it's incredible wow. well it's just like for me because like we were just talking about, like I never really squatted properly until I was like in my 20s. Um, and, you know, you know, a, four, a 400 pound squat for me is a, a great, a great fucking day. Um, I think my max ever was like 335, yeah. maybe 350, but so that was like two or three years ago. Could we, to be doing that at 15 is like, it's it's mind blowing to me. Um, you know, and this is happening, this, is, this isn't like, an anomaly anymore this is normal like but i mean that's the thing i think we were both told as kids like you shouldn't be lifting yeah. heavy weights yeah, yeah. until it's it sounds like such a voodoo and witch doctor now like yeah, oh yeah the plates they're not they're touching and your x-ray they're not touching you need room to grow and yeah yeah did you did you have that as a kid oh, yeah, you're told sure, like not sure. to go train? i mean I, I started training when i was 15 pretty much every day when i was 15 i used to um it's pretty funny actually i used to um my bedroom's upstairs. My parents' like living room is downstairs. God knows why they let me, but they let me. I <laughs> I worked um, I worked basically in, a, in an old people's home um, a few days a week, and I did the night shift. I saved up my money and I bought um, a home gym, and it was basically one of those old like multi gyms that had a stack. Then one side it had a bench, one side it had a pec deck. It had like um, you couldn't do like back squats on it, but it had like a leg extension thing on one end that you could do, uh, and then I had some barbells and some dumbbells. So I would spend every night upstairs. Like my parents were downstairs, and it was one of these old stacks, right? It's not like a smooth, like modern stack. It was a <laughs> so they would sit downstairs. They'd hear this like horrific noise come from upstairs. They never complained. God bless them. And, um, you know, I do that every night. Like, I put old, like, Arnold movies and old Van Damme movies on the TV, <laughs> and I do pretty much chest and biceps every night. Uh, no, I think I did, like, you know, chest one day, back the next day, shoulders and arms, whatever it was. And, um, and yeah, I, I did that pretty religiously from the age of, like, 15 to, to, to when I left at 18. And, you know, the, the results that you get when you're a kid because you are full of growth hormone and testosterone. Oh, man. Amazing. Like, amazing. I mean, I grew so quickly. Like, I still have the stretch marks now from when I was 15 because, you know, my muscles grow, grew 
too quickly for my skin and stuff. But um, yeah, it's it's great when you're young and you have all that all that flowing through your your body. I mean, these this is why these kids are, you know, doing such great things at such a young age because they do have the benefit of all that hormonal stuff, and now they're getting some better coaching, some correct coaching. Mm. They can really make the most of that situation and 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 do incredible things. Yeah, I think about college and if you know. I loved my trainer in college, Ryan Kabilis. Huge shout out to him. Hopefully, still listen to the show. Who was your basketball coach? Uh, he was the head trainer for oh. our basketball team at oh, Syracuse. Cool. We had our own oh. per, uh, trainer and everything. Right. And um, you know, he's got to train twelve to fifteen guys that we have in the squad. You know, so I'm just trying to get in there and yeah. get as much. Hey, Ryan, make me faster. And I, yeah. I ran a four three eight. Uh, on wow. whatever you want to say, qualify, but down the the stress uh, diagonally between two courts. But he was like, hey, make me faster. It's like, I, I, I mean, you're running a 438 already. I mean, what can we possibly do yeah. to manipulate that? But, you know, like you said, you're 21, 22, and you think about all the movements and the speed and the jumping or even taking hits, falling down, and yeah. being able to bounce back and recover. Th- this was in it. high school, this is in college? College. Okay. Senior year, I ran that 438. But even like, like I said, in high school as well, it's like, oh man, the the speed that I can move on the court, the recovery time, the foods you can put in your body, yeah. and still be able to. See, see, here's, here's the difference. So when I, when I, because I grew up on an island, right, small island in, in England, my, the guy that taught me how to play soccer was the same guy that taught me cross country was the same guy that taught me math. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't have a cut. Like the, there was no like coaches like that. So like, you know. I was always a decent sportsman, and by that I mean, you know, I was decent at soccer, I was decent at basketball, I, I weightlifted, I was pretty much good at every sport that I did, but I never had any kind of, like, coaching. Um, so I'm kind of, like, bitter about the fact that I didn't have any coaching as a kid, because maybe I could have been good at something, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I never was. Um, well, but yeah, it's kind of funny to me. No. God, no. Interested, though, Oh yeah, I mean I love soccer and I still like I still support Liverpool Football Club. I you know I like watching I mean, I played some games in my in my thirties and dear God I was sore. Oh yeah. It's just it, like the constant like I mean I do fitness whatever that is, fitnessing every day. But the <laughs> this. the the changing of direction in soccer and the, the the stress it puts on your your back and your knees and all that kind of stuff, I was god awful sore but um but yeah it's it's a great sport i'm trying to find something man i play some 11s back in florida yeah once a week like hour and a half full pitch yeah that's that's my that's your cardio for for a month right there but i'd get it once a week it was fantastic yeah. man yeah it's funny the sport's funny like that i remember um so we do this uh, we also do this this boxing program at, at Faros, and i just started this new series called contend and it's it's like basically a beginner sparring um course and um couple of the guys started sparring again they're like oh my god like you forget like the demands of sport are so specific and so different to like regular training like you train every day in the gym and you do you lift and you do sprints you do work on the bike you do all this stuff and then suddenly you play a sport and you're like oh my god i was so sore afterwards and even in the moment you don't feel it because you're just doing the thing but then the demands on the body you know the next day you know about it it's like it did different things to your body, things that you can't train for in that way because you don't have to move that way in the gym. As soon as you add in all that kind of lateral movement and rotation and, you know, the unpredictability of sport, when you're in the gym, when you're doing like 
you know, movements, you're preparing yourself from the movement, then you're executing the movement. When you're doing sport, you're just reacting to stuff. And it's reacting to stuff that puts that unpredictable tension on the body. Yeah, we've been back in the courts this week and just shooting every day. And it'll take a minute of just, you know, moving around two chairs, going in for a layup, going in for a layup. And it's just a minute of movement, but at the end, dead. Yeah, sure. Dead. Yeah, it's funny. No, it's interesting you mentioned about putting the different stresses like on, you know, the joints, yeah. the back, the knees, yeah. especially in those uh, change of pace, cha- quick change of movements that, you know, most of, you know, we're talking basketball, football, soccer, they really demand on you. Yeah. And you feel sure. it in the sides of the legs. Well, especially especially stuff like, you know, as I said, lateral movement and rotation. Like we, we try now to, to incorporate as much lateral movement and rotation in programs as we can because typically in the gym you just don't do that stuff. Like very rarely do you move like laterally at pace with rotation, ever, um, and I think that was one of, again one of the, the the big things about CrossFit. Like you're great at moving like either, you know, being efficient with a barbell or moving in straight lines forward and straight lines backwards. But add some rotation and add some lateral stuff, and you know those guys struggle. Um, so you know, it's very funny. It's very funny what happened to the, the phrase functional fitness because what started as something, oh, this is going to make you more functional actually became not functional because you don't need to do those things in real life. And the stuff that you do need to do in real life isn't really covered <laughs> in functional fitness. What you know what I mean by that? No, you got to play explain a little more. Well, so you have a you have a thing that's like okay let's 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 be more functional with fitness let's be more functional with sport let's start you know throwing barbells over our heads and doing snatches and doing clean and jerks because they're more functional they're more transferable to real life mm-hmm. and then it's like well okay yeah maybe compared to doing a leg extension or a leg curl these things are more functional but then it got so advanced it's like okay now I'm good doing you know, muscle-ups and snatches and all these, like, advanced technical movements. And yet, when I come to try and, like, run through a field laterally and do all these rotation-type stuff, which is functional, like, I can't do it. Or, you know, you get so far away from, from, from basic fundamental human movements because you're trying to make everything so technical that then it's no not functional anymore. It's mm-hmm. something complete. It's in a completely different space. Um so I think it's been a, like an interesting journey that that we've been through in that. And also like what I've noticed in the industry, you know, the industry always works in cycles, right? We all go through trends and cycles and that We're kind in the of keto stuff. cycle right now. In the keto cycle, <laughs> whatever's next. But, um, you know, it kind of went from when I was growing up, it being like bodybuilding and then it being like CrossFit and now it being this kind of like hybrid thing of everything and I see more and more like crossfitters doing bodybuilding and more bodybuilders doing little bits of like crossfit type work and like this whole like interest it's a really interesting time because you are getting that like mix now especially you know we have it so much in Faros like people want to like add different things to their program people see the benefits crossfitters see the benefits of doing some bodybuilding work bodybuilders see the benefit of doing some crossfit type work and then it becomes this whole kind of like cocktail of of stuff um which i like actually i I love that that kind of like blend because it's what i what i enjoy but um it's interesting how things come in and out like if i'd have opened this gym 
five years ago, I would have never considered putting in like a leg press, a shoulder press machine, a pec deck, that kind of stuff, because it became very uncool, right? Mm. It was like, no, that shit's not functional. We're not going to have it in this gym because this is like a functional gym. But now I'm like, that stuff has worth. It has benefit. Like if you have weak points or if you need to develop specific things, that stuff has value. And you can't be a, a, a yes, you can't be like, I'm in this corner or I'm in that corner anymore because it doesn't make any sense. Like everything has a purpose to a point. Like is having a cable crossover useful? Yes, it fucking is. Mm-hmm. Is having uh, a an uh, assisted pull-up machine useful? Well, yes, it is. Is having a lat pull-down useful? Yes, it is. Like, a pull-up isn't functional if you're doing a fucking terrible pull-up and using things <laughs> you're not meant to use. At a certain point, a lat pull-down is more useful than a, a wide grip pull-up. If, you can't, if you're using 50 bands to do a pull-up, is at some point doing a properly executed lat pull-down more beneficial to the human body? Well, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're putting the tension in the wrong place on a pull-up. <laughs> so there's this whole thing of like, you know, what's functional and what's not. It's not really about, you know, that. It's about what's right for this person in developing functionality. How do I get this person more functional? If this person has never been in the gym before and needs to develop certain weak points or has had accidents or injuries which have left them incapable of doing this, then at a certain point, them doing a leg press has more value than them doing a squat. Right? Completely. I think, <laughs> like I think, it, I think the, the, world, the, the space that we're in now is that, you know, we talked about this, that it's scary that you guys as trainers get more time with people than some doctors do and with that you guys get to tailor entire programs around who people are why they're going out why they're coming to the gym what their goals are what they're looking to achieve and you can make all that stuff possible and by having all those different equipments or different pieces that you can make somebody stronger because i think the number one thing two people have is they plateau and yeah. they stop because they they stop losing weight or stop gaining weight and but we got we got to look back we got to start look deeper and tear back some of these veils and say, okay, what's actually going on here? Because it's not easy. But I mean, again, it's almost like trainers, people who own gyms are leading the charge. Yeah. Because like you said, we're in that interesting place right now where I think you said functional movement by these bodybuilding guys are all trying to get better range of motion, mobility training and movement training is such a big thing. People doing their cars now when they're standing there waiting and I'm doing all that stuff. And you know, that's what I needed. And I yeah. just step away from getting as such intense, heavy strength training. But I mean, it's a beautiful yeah. thing that you guys get to do. And, uh, you know, it, it's changing that movement, you know? But There's also something really interesting about um, how consistency of programming and progressive overload is, is something that's becoming valued again. I mean, I've been saying it for ages, like you need enough consistency in the programming for progressive overload to take place but enough variability to prevent plateau. So what you had with some kind of circuit training, like slash CrossFit, whatever gyms you want to call it, is, oh, the great thing about this gym is every time you come to the gym, you do something different. Every day is a different thing. It's like a Barry thing right there. Just, hey. It's like, well, that that's good to a point. And that's going to get you so far, but you can't, you can't deny the effectiveness of progressive overload. It has to be in the program somewhere. That said, 
you can't just do the same thing forever under the principle of progressive overload and expect to see results like you have to have variability somewhere so this is why in the build program i do three week cycles of progressive overload with varying accessory movements and then after three weeks i'll change the programming we'll do a different kind of thing there will always be progressive overload in the programming but there will always be variability because i believe that that's what we need to to really get the best out of the gym um and i think now we we are in that interesting place of yes we can't just do whatever we want every day and expect to see long-term results but also we can't do the same fucking thing every day and expect to see results <laughs> so you have to have that that mix of the two and i think it's interesting that you know crossfit in the beginning and certainly you know, the good crossfits don't do this anymore but certainly in the beginning where it's just like every day is a different workout well that doesn't work and the the guy that's trying to get big doing the same workout every day also doesn't work so now it's like okay where do these two things collide and i think it's in that that space of having enough progressive overload uh, having enough consistency to get progressive overload whilst having enough variability to, to prevent plateau and that's that's the space that i like it's that manipulation of consistency and variability it's being open i think the best way i yeah. describe it like even when i'm doing like production work or any kind of creative work is that you know you're a kid with a coloring book the lines are there yeah you don't have to stay exactly in the lines you have the freedom to go outside the space without crashing exactly. a car or getting exactly. in trouble so as long as you can teeter through you know like the We'll talk about the Tropic of Cancer and Tropic of Capricorn. Yeah. You can go between the equator, between those lines. Yeah. And you're safe to move and add and adapt to whatever's going to be thrown exactly. at you. And I think, like, at times in my life, I, I found myself, like, saying, I'm not going to do those things because that isn't what I do or that isn't what I've been, like, coached to do or guided to do. And now I'm in a place where, how fucking stupid. Like, you you do and you try and you experiment and you listen to everybody and you find what makes sense you don't like reject anything without like trying trial experimentation the consideration of inclusion you know if you if you just cut stuff away because you think that isn't what people that isn't what people like me do it's you know you're you're denying yourself the opportunity to improve because you can learn from all these different disciplines. Like, you can learn from CrossFit. You can learn from bodybuilding. You can learn from traditional strength conditioning. You can learn from traditional boxing training. You can learn from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Like, all these different things. You can learn from yoga. You can learn from Pilates. Like, I remember thinking, oh, I'm, not, I'm never going to do yoga because it's not for people like me. And now it's like, you stupid fool. Like, <laughs> you can learn so much from that stuff. Um, and you just have to be open-minded and have to be inclusive. And that's that's all it is. It's not like, and you listen to a lot of like gurus in the past who are like, you know, they like to reject other forms of training because it doesn't fit their 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 version of what fitness is, mm-hmm. rather than cons- rather than saying, you know what, you know, try that stuff. It can be really good for you. Mm-hmm. You can learn something from doing that. Oh, that's like the leg extension. Like there's yeah. you know, some rehab potential of using a yes. leg extension to re-strengthening. What would you say the inner part of your thigh is right there? VMO, your VMO, yeah. For the VMO right there, especially if yeah. you add injuries, you need to slowly come in. But, you know, some of your people were talking about functional training. Like, oh, that's the worst thing for you. And it's just no no benefits. I should never see one of those things in a gym at all. Yeah. I mean, the other, another classic one is uh, is hamstrings. It's... Um, 
it's very easy to get hip extension uh, in the gym through you know Romanian deadlifts that kind of thing to activate the hamstring mm -hmm. it's hard to get knee flexion right it's hard to it's hard to pull your heel to your butt and activate the hamstring in that way without like a leg curl or something like that so there's always th there's always things like that to consider and like people are big it, haters on that one too yeah exactly and so it's like how do i you know and there's oh yeah you can do like a med ball swiss curl and that kind of stuff but yeah you can but doesn't mean that that's necessarily better just because you consider it to be more functional like you're just trying to create tension in that muscle and maybe this is a better way to create tension or a more scalable back to the word progressive overload i can get better progressive overload by doing that that hamstring curl and creating tension in my hamstring that way than i can from because how do i scale a med ball yeah curl right how do i <laughs> once i can do that mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I can add more reps and I can add more, more, maybe more time under tension, but the variables are kind of limited. Whereas this one has maybe more potential for, for growth. I so, have one more to no. throw your way. It's the, it's it's the glute raise, but everybody's putting that barbell on their hips right there, and I mean I don't know how much weight you can potentially put on there. I'll sometimes do those without that because you know I've learned that yeah. Pilates and yoga class, and it's great for strengthening my lower back and like activating those hamstrings but you know are people pushing that one is that one i mean you see yeah doing like a oh, we do lot barbell hip bridges yeah um i we, we do a lot in build and you know most people will you know everybody bugs me to buy more and more of those you know the pads the, the, safe, the squat <laughs> yeah, pads yeah. to protect their hips um but yeah i mean in terms of glute engagement and, and getting hip extension it's 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 a great warm up tool. It's a great accessory tool. We do a lot of it. But how much weight are we talking putting on there? Because I mean, is is there a point where that one is just there's no point of doing that one with that much weight? Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't use your... we don't use it really as a strength exercise per se. Okay. Like we don't build up to like a one rep max mm. glute bridge. Um, it's for for me, it's more of an activation tool and an accessory tool. But you know, guys, I'll easily do two twenty five, two seventy five. 315 like yeah that's yeah. fine uh, you know again it's progressive overload it's developing the the muscle it's, it's developing the glutes uh, it's a flexibility thing like getting better hip extension um through mobility um and you you gradually build up and you you, you evolve your tolerance to it um and do you want your feet on elevated surface for that one or your feet are on the ground um I've done it both ways. Um, I've done. I've also done it like flat, back flat on the ground, or uh, shoulders slightly elevated on a on a pad. Both, both will work. Often, just for the sake of, it, you know, if you're training like ten people, we'll do it off the ground just because it's 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 simpler to execute. Mm -hmm. um, I've also used those. You've probably seen the glute bridge machines that companies make now, which are actually very very good, uh, which which get you in the position. You have like a pad on a foam roller. Um, the the plate is on a hinge and you just basically lift drive up lift your hips up against okay. the tension of the which are which are very good um but yeah because just because we are a group-based facility we tend to do a lot of sure. it off the ground and it's it, it can be very effective oh, yeah. yeah pete it's a great tool thank you man this well, was a course, hell of a journey yeah. um i know i learned a lot i know people you know fitness professionals in the space i know they're gonna have a lot of questions and a lot of uh really enjoy the meat of this episode and then people who you know Everybody out there who's trying to get, you know, like you said, how do I lose weight? How do I gain weight? You know, I know a bunch of them 
are going to have something to take away. So thank you. Right, of course. Anytime. Very much. Anytime. Let people know where they can find you and uh, connect with you and you guys and uh, come find a Pharaoh's Echo Park. Yeah, I mean, we are at 1316 Glendale Boulevard in Echo Park. Feel free to drop by the gym anytime. Um, I, try, I take great pride in giving people tours of my gym because I like it. Um, and talking to people, finding out where they're from and what, what, they, uh, what their experiences are. Um, you can email us at info at ferrisathleticclub.com. You can follow us, follow us on Instagram at Ferris Echo Park. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Fantastic. Or you can find me on Instagram, Peter Vodden. That's, that's also on there. Bam. Yeah. Guys, this is the first gym I walked into when I got to LA. Fell in love with it. Haven't gone anywhere else. I love this place. I love working out there. I love training there. And Pete's class was great. It kicked my ass that one day. I did <laughs> yeah. come in there and did that class. <laughs> Running around Echo Park barefoot. Hilarious. Yeah. Ridiculous. I think you're the only man to do that, but it's, it's good. <laughs> well, I've uh, almost lost a toe. Not recently, yeah. but a little while back to prove it. Uh, guys, <laughs> again, go check out Ferris Park if you're in LA. And go check out Pete and Pete's page at Peter Jordan. And guys, if you aren't already subscribed, subscribe over the bus driver experience. Another fresh intake on a unique perspective of the human experience that's what this channel is all about that's what we're going out and discovering go check out the videos over on the youtube page we're jumping in bobsled we're running around with the canners and the homeless in new york city we're finding out how people reevaluate not reevaluate i keep trying to create this word in my mind but how we evaluate our purpose and our meaning in this whole life that we're trying to live so everybody i was signing out that's it oh yeah no sign out there peace this is the moment uh, for those who.